to the Ballistics Report podcast with your hosts, Josh and Aaron. Here at the Ballistics Report podcast, we want to uh, mix our love of the NBA with statistical analysis. And we're going to look at teams and players through a different lens. And as the season continues, we're going to build a statistical model to show which teams, which players are going to excel during the season and which, which ones are going to fail. Uh, with that, I'd like to uh, introduce ourselves, considering this is our first episode. Uh, so my name is Josh. I've been a fan of the NBA for about 20 years now, and it uh, I started out just loving the Dallas Mavericks because of Dirk Nowitzki, and he's uh, one of those guys that he he just gave me this feeling of like anything's possible. That and Ben Simmons making that three today make me realize that I needed to start a podcast with one of my best friends. So <laughs> with that, I'm going to hand it over to Eric. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons shooting 100% on threes for the season. That's wild. That's a great way to start, right? <laughs> uh, hey, how's it going? My name is Eric. Um, been following and playing basketball for the better part of 20 plus years, albeit not very good at the playing part. Uh, but I'm also a firm believer in sports analytics. I love following sports analytics. And I'm hoping this podcast isn't just an educational opportunity for myself, uh, for you, but for myself as well. Um, I really want to harness the power of data to try and predict basketball outcomes, team outcomes, player outcomes. really want to see where this can take us. Um, and maybe by the end of it, Mark Cuban will give me a job and I'll have my dream job working for the Dallas Mavericks. All I'm saying is if we're, uh, you know, 82 and 0, with our predictions, then it would be foolish not to. I mean, I just take my life savings and put it on uh, <laughs> sports gambling at that point. Who who needs Mark Cuban? Yeah, I'll buy I'll buy I'll buy the team from Mark Cuban if we can go eighty two zero. I mean, I I am quite a gambler. I put all my money on Phoenix last year. So <laughs> <laughs> smart move, smart move. Yeah, man. Well, as we're starting out and we're getting a feel of the podcast world and figuring out. Uh, how to make this podcast even better. Uh, we're going to kind of slow roll into the beginning. And so we're going to go out with some, we're going to start out with some cliche stuff and just go over uh, the uh, teams and go over their key additions or key subtractions, give some of our predictions. And uh, and yeah, and Erica, tell them how we're going to go through the teams today. Yeah, so we got, we're just going to go through the Western Conference today, uh, probably like two and a half minutes per um, after we hit that two and a half minutes, we'll, we'll blare an air horn at you to know that we've run out of time. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that, I think that'll be a, a really good start. We'll talk about the key additions, key subtractions. We'll just start at the top, straight up at the Golden State Warriors, the Western Conference champions last year. Heck yeah, man. But not even just the Western, Con- or Western Conference champions. I mean, they've been the dominant team for five years straight, uh, and it's incredible to see what they're doing. I mean, there are key additions of getting Willie Cauley-Stein, Glenn Robinson third, Alec Burks. Uh, they got Amari Spellman from that one trade. But we all know what the key addition is, right? D'Angelo frickin' Russell. Yeah, we got D'Lo. We got D'Lo. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, and I mean, Eric's out in San Francisco, so he gets to actually see these teams play. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully we get, uh, yeah, hopefully I get a couple tickets this year. I am going to definitely catch the Mavericks versus Golden State Warriors, but it's just not going to be the same with Kevin Durant leaving, uh, Clay Thompson injured, even like Jordan Bell, Andrew Bogut. 
DeMarcus Cousins, I don't know what's going to go on in that front court. And let's not forget about Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston, who have been staples for the Golden State Warriors for for a better part of half a decade. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I, I think that's going to be some of the biggest um, subtractions, actually. Like, the fact that Andre Iguodala, their glue guy, is not there. And then Sean Livingston really being that uh, that sta- stabilizing force in uh, the bench, just being that key guy of uh, playing point, shooting guard, small forward, like that's going to be huge, huge. Yeah. And I mean, Sean Livingston was, he was a pretty good score off the bench. He gave them, he really held them in the game, especially when a lot of people were injured, couldn't get them out. Um, but I mean, we got Glenn Robinson, third, Alec Burks, Amari Spellman, who can score in bunches, you know, if they go off. And uh, on the front court, we got Willie Colley-Stein, who I think is developed into a pretty pretty good, um, what is he, power forward center? I think he's listed as a center, but I think he can play power forward. But he, he showed a lot, of, uh, a lot of promise when he was with the Kings. Like, I think that's going to be huge for them. Yeah. I'm really worried about – oh, there we go. Oh, all right. <laughs> got to move on. The Denver Nuggets. Oh man, I'm actually so intrigued by the Denver, Denver Nuggets. Actually, they um, obviously their key additions were uh, getting Michael Porter Jr. for his real rookie year. Uh, they drafted Bol Bol. Um, they signed Tyler Zeller, which I don't know if it's going to be huge, but it's still going to be something. And and I'm looking forward to it. And then they also re-signed Jamal Murray to that huge contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's they were number two last year. They're real stable. Nothing's really going on. I mean, they lost Isaiah Thomas, but I think he was mostly injured. He came in for a couple games. Um, so I don't think – yeah, I think the Denver Nuggets are really solid. I mean, Nik- Nikola Jokic is an incredible player. Michael I, Porter Jr., he was, he was a really high draft prospect last year. And unfortunately, due to that injury, he wasn't able to play. So getting him into the mix, I think that's going to be crazy. I think people forget Michael Porter Jr. was the number one high school prospect in his year. Like that was higher than DeAndre Aiden. That was higher than uh, Marvin Bagley Jr. People are saying he was better than Luca uh, when he was in high school. So like people forget, like this guy was a blue chip five-star recruit. Like if it wasn't for his injury last year, I think we would have seen someone that is super versatile in the front court, can dribble like a guard, uh, shoot from distance, play inside. And the fact is you're pairing that with Nikola Jokic, who you brought up earlier. So we're going to see like two players that I think can play really well off of each other. Yeah. But the only thing I'm worried is kind of for his development. I don't know if the Denver Nuggets want to make too many changes to their lineup. Right. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. He's moving while well. I saw a couple practice videos earlier um, in the season or in the preseason, I guess. So uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see how he gets in the mix. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I think Bobo is also an interesting prospect, but like honestly with that rotation, I doubt he's going to get much time. I I think he's going to get really lost in the shuffle. And I mean, we're not even talking about Paul Millsap who barely played last year, but like he's going to be healthy this year. And that's another like huge asset that they're going to have. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right. There's that air horn again. (laughs) yeah so uh, portland trailblazers next yeah you want to talk a little bit about portland trailblazers they made a lot of moves this year they made huge moves and i'm actually uh, i think 
they may be the biggest moves. Even though they're they're number three right now, I think they may be the team to watch out for. And the reason why is because adding Kent Bazemore, Paul Mills, uh, Paul Ga- Pau, Paul Millsa, Pau Gasol, uh, they're they have Hassan Whiteside, um, and then I, I feel like they're also going to really love Mario Hazonia. They've drafted Nasir Little, Jalen Horde. Like uh, these are really quality players, especially uh, those those veterans that they signed and traded for. Uh, but my goodness, like even getting a little bit more uh, athletic with Nasir Little from North Carolina is going to be huge. For sure. I mean, the Portland Trailblazers are the epitome of the current NBA right now, right? Like, Kent Bazemore is this 3 and D guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Hazonia is, like, kind of like this swing forward. I mean, even Anthony Tolliver, honestly, if he was younger and playing now, I think he would be really, really coveted by a lot of teams, this tall guy who can shoot. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about him. Yeah, I totally forgot about Anthony Tolliver, but you're so right. I mean, the six eight, six nine guy that can shoot, uh, stretch the floor, that's huge. Yeah, I think I'm worried a little bit for Hassan Whiteside. This is this is a great player, but how how does he really fit in the NBA these days? I'm not too sure. That's uh my big concern. The, you know, I um I really I agree with you. I worry about him and the reason why is he was not willing to commit on offense or defense if he wasn't involved in the play. So like when he was with Miami last year, he constantly did not commit to screens. He wasn't willing to um, go up for rebounds if he felt like it was too tough. Like, you know, you got to have a motor, especially when you're making $25 million, they expect you to want to crash the boards, block shots, like still go after things. And like, you're playing for a a good coach like Eric Swarestra, like he's wanting to put you in good positions. Yeah, yeah. And I, but you know, maybe with Portland Trailblazers doing as well as they're doing, gives him a little bit of motivation to uh, kind of explore that upside that he that we all know that he's got that he's shown plenty of times. So you know. Yeah, I I think I think uh, playing with players like Dame and, and uh, CJ, he's going to be more uh, involved. Like he's, they're going to be like, if we, if you run that screen, we're going to get you 80% of the time. Yeah. And I think that'll be huge for them. And, um, but I mean, we have to also talk about what they lost because they actually lost yeah. a good amount of players. Yeah. Alfarik Amino, Seth Curry, Mo Harkless, Enos Cantor, Myers Leonard, Evan Turner, man, this that team alone could have been. I mean, they they wouldn't be a great team, but you know they could compete in the NBA right there with that lineup. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, I I know people like uh, look at Evan Turner and look at his contract and think he doesn't deserve it, but he is like a switchblade on the floor. He can play point guard, shooting guard, uh, small forward. He's a great glue guy off the bench. Like, there's a reason why every place he's gone to he has been well-liked and wanted back in the locker room. Uh, And so I think they're going to miss that. And then uh, I know Myers Leonard hasn't lived up to his contract, but especially in the playoffs, he stepped up. Like he was shooting threes. He was blocking shots. He was rebounding. He looked good. And you're, you're talking about a guy that could stretch the floor for you. And uh, um, he was really good friends with Damian Lillard. So I think that may be a bigger uh, loss than we think. 
yeah, all these guys showed a lot of like flashes. They they did a lot of the small things for sure. Like Alfred Amino, I know he didn't have a great year last year, but he had some moments. And obviously Seth Curry, he was he was playing great for them. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and I think Aminu, as as you said, is a glue guy. And oh, okay, well, <laughs> I actually, yeah. I I don't think I'm doing it right at two thirty, but let's assume. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll give give a give a take him. Give him thirty seconds. Give or take. Yeah. Uh, we got the Houston Rockets next. Um, like this team. The Russell Westbrook. This is polarizing. Yeah. How do you feel? He he his preseason game, thirteen points. I mean, obviously his preseason, they lost it, but you know. Yeah. How do you feel about his fit with James Harden right now? I mean, obviously we can spend our entire podcast pretty much talking about this, and maybe maybe down the road we should right before the season, but that is the that is the one team where I can't tell you I I don't know. Because I'm a huge Westbrook fan. I think he plays with so much heart and determination. Like I don't even care that he gooses rebounds. The thing that I love about him is that when you know he's on the floor, he's giving 110%. I cannot say that about any other player. For uh, sure. And so I really love his motor, but that's also his biggest enemy. And the fact is James Harden needs the ball just as much, if not more than Russell Westbrook. How's that going to work? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean they're surrounding themselves with some decent three-point shooting, and so maybe that incentivized Russell to say that he doesn't need to jack up as many threes. I think that was his biggest weakness, right? He felt like he had to carry his entire team, mm-hmm. shooting threes, shooting bad shots. But you know they got Ryan Anderson; he can sit in the corner, he can sit out on the three-point line, get him some space. Um, they still got Eric Gordon, right? Yeah, um, and obviously James Harden, right? So. Exactly. Maybe that gives him some incentive to take better shots. Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, the the thing is they also have a good coach, or at least a great offensive coach, mm-hmm. that I think is going to integrate a lot of these players into a way that it utilizes their strength. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they use uh, Russell Westbrook as more of a two and just have him keep pressure on on the team by, like, moving around, uh, diving for the ball, uh, doing cuts. Like, he he's he did that when he was in OKC with James Harden. Yeah, I, I just don't know if he's willing to take that role anymore because he's alpha dog, right? Like, this yeah. is a guy that put up triple doubles two seasons in a row. This is a, this is a player. Three he, seasons in a row, man. Three seasons in a row. <laughs> so oh, that, <laughs> that's the craziest thing. We were all surprised when he did it one year. He has done it three years. He's done it for two years after that. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's made it seem so normal. And, I mean, with Chris Paul, who's a distributor, a mid-range shooter, a guy who could get to the rim, yeah, he's injured, yeah, he's older, but, you know, he's a he's the point guard. He's the guy that can distribute the ball, find people at the right places at the right time. And I think they're losing a huge amount of, of, of uh, basketball IQ with Chris Paul gone. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, uh, I, I think Chris Paul, one of his – the best thing is that he can do is that when, you know, they seem like they're struggling, he can literally bring everyone in a huddle and be like, okay, this is what we're going to run. This is how we're going to exploit them. And then he can actually get that play run. Like that's what he's good at. Like I'll say that about him in new Orleans, LA Houston. He has done it every time when people have needed a bucket and figure out a way to get the ball into the basket. 
he finds a way for his teammates to do that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, there we go. Uh, we got the Utah Jazz up next. They got they had a lot of changes on the Utah Jazz. Oh, um, and I love it. Yeah, go go ahead, kick it off. Uh, okay. So Utah, just I mean, they had added so many people, but the people that I'm most excited about is the fact that they got obviously Mike Connolly. They made that big trade uh, to get him. Uh, they got. Um, uh, the the other one that I love a lot is Bojan uh, mm-hmm. Bogdanovich. Uh, frankly, that starting lineup of uh, it's it's going to be Mike Connolly, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Bojan Bogdanovich at the four, and then you have Rudy Gobert at the five. That's three really good shooters in Connolly, uh, Bogdanovich, and Ingles, and then you have one of the best up and uh, up and coming stars in Donovan Mitchell and the two-time defensive player of the year as your center. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, I love that team because of Rudy Gobert. Like, he is the traditional defensive center that I just love so much, like Tyson Chandler back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Joe Ingles, Bojan Bogdanovic, they're not the best defenders, but, you know, they can hold their own. Uh, I think people kind of underrate them on defense. And Mike Conley obviously is a little older, a little slower. But, yeah, that guy's still a a pretty good defensive point guard. So they've got the offense and the defense in the mix. I'm really excited to see what they do this year. Well, the thing that I love about Mike Conley is, like, even though he's older and slower, he's super wise. Like, there's a reason why this guy is, like, stuck around in the league so long and been, like, a heavy contributor. It's He's never relied on his athleticism. He's never relied on his explosiveness. He always had a cerebral game that relied on him picking apart the defense, and and he did it in so many different ways. Uh, and and having that stabilizing force, because uh, let's let's be honest, like going into the subtractions, they lost Ricky Rubio, who I thought actually played well for them, but like the reason why they could never get to the next level with him is that he wasn't the shooter. Like he wasn't a good enough shooter to keep pressure off of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert they constantly had to worry about a crowded um, paint when they were trying to go in and, and, and score and so having Mike Connolly who can make an, uh, a uh, a knockdown three he can be in the corner he can uh, also penetrate and give room for Donovan if he's cutting through the lane like that's going to be huge yeah I mean, he's not a box score guy, right, Mike Connolly? So in the theme of statistic and uh, theme of data analytics, let's keep an eye on Mike Connolly in terms of, of any advanced analytics that we can get on Mike Connolly. I think that would be super interesting. Oh, I feel like his box plus minus is going to be off the charts with this team because this this is kind of like the, um, the grinded out Memphis team the Grindhouse Memphis team, except like it's a more dynamic scores this time around. Yeah, yeah. They got they got Rudy Gobert you can lob to. You got shooters all over the wings. And I mean Donovan Mitchell. He's just spectacular talent, super athletic, can shoot, can do it all, can score. All right, right on time. OKC. I think we have to talk about the subtractions with OKC, right? They lost Paul George or lost Russell Westbrook. I mean, I'm looking at this list. They lost Marquise Morris, Jeremy Grant, who I thought was kind of developing, mm-hmm. Raymond Felton, who was, you know, he's Raymond Felton. 
he's Man. he's good as your third or fourth guard off the off the bench, but still, exactly. I mean, that's it's still it's huge. I mean, they lost so many key players. Yeah, and I mean, they got a Chris. They got Chris Paul, who doesn't want to be there. So yeah, you know, like what's gonna happen there? Uh, uh, Danilo. I mean, maybe he becomes your your first offensive weapon. I'm I'm not too sure what to make of this team. It's probably Tank City if they can't <laughs> if they can't put it together in the first twenty or thirty games. I think. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like the problem with this team is not that they're they don't have talent. They do, but they have such a hodgepodge of talent. Like you have guys like Chris Paul, who's a Hall of Famer. You have Danilo Gallinari, who's actually a pretty good scorer. Like he he uh, before. Uh, when he was with the Clippers, he was scoring like 20 points a game. Uh, so it's not unhurt. Like they have talent. And then they also got Shea Gilligas Alexander in that Paul George trade. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he's super underrated. I, I don't think he's ever going to be like an all-star point guard, but I think he's going to be your Mike Connolly, uh, you know, Ricky Rubio, uh, better than Ricky Rubio, but like a Mike Connolly type point guard who's like just right there for the all-star, but maybe never makes it. Yeah. I mean, this team's going to be, I don't, I don't have a lot of hope for them. It's unfortunate, but uh, they're, they're great at rebuilding as they built this entire team from the ground up. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do. Uh, I'd love to see what happens with this Chris Paul situation. I'm a big fan of Chris Paul. I'd love to see him to go to a contender, but if not, maybe he can, he can make a splash and, with the thunder as long as he stays healthy i mean yeah yeah in a future episode we're going to be talking about potential trades for chris paul for sure because there's yeah. a lot of teams that actually even though that he has a gargantuan contract there are going to be teams that are in contention that need him as their point guard yeah for sure was that air horn uh, or no <laughs> oh, all right. now we know <laughs> <laughs> hey why didn't you uh uh talk about the next play or team on our list yeah san antonio spurs uh didn't make too much movement you know san antonio spurs are just one of those organizations that i just feel like are, they're always going to make the playoffs no matter what type of people they have around them i'm i'm just watching their their rookies to be honest with you they got the other luca uh-huh. um they also acquired damari carroll i don't know what to make of this team either um they lost a lot of people. I mean, with retirement, with like you know, the, their their core three, the core three is gone. Mm-hmm. So it's. I think this is this is just a, a Popovich thing. Well, let's just see what Popovich, Popovich is able to do with this team. I think Demar Carroll is the perfect Popovich guy, by the way. So oh, absolutely. He's three and D. Uh, he works really hard. He's going to dive on the floor. He's he is the uh, Popovich is going to love him uh and i'm I'm super excited about that but i i'll say one person on this list that i think will be surprising or i think he's going to do really well is keldon johnson he's actually uh, a player out of kentucky that that uh got drafted by uh, by the spurs so he's not the prototypical spurs player because he he's not like grinded out uh going to dive on the floor the reason why I like him is is actually even though he didn't do well in college, his game is more tailored to the NBA, uh, where he can shoot the three, he can go inside, he can drive, he can cut. Uh, but the problem is in in 
uh, college basketball is that I don't think he had a good structure or a, a, a good system. The thing about Calipari is that I, I don't think he actually has a good system. He always has good players that kind of propel his teams, but uh, with a system and uh, using his strengths, I think he's actually going to do a lot better for them. Yeah, let's definitely keep an eye on him. I love I love your your take on him. Um, would love to see how Popovich develops these rookies. I think that's probably the most compelling thing about this season for the Spurs. I'm going to go on a limb and say they drop out of playoff contention probably around 9 or 10. Um, we'll see. The The West is pretty tough this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, even though they have DeMar and LaMarcus, like I think it's going to be tough because – they just don't have enough talent, and they. I think this is a rebuilding year, uh, which is crazy to think about because since 1997, I think, they've never missed the playoffs. Yeah, so that's they've been tw- a staple. That's 22 years, man. That's crazy. <laughs> it's going to be weird seeing a playoff without the Spurs. And, I mean, no one wanted to face the Spurs, right? Like, even if even if you think the Spurs weren't very good last year, no one really wanted to face them in the playoffs. Cause, oh. You know, like, oh, absolutely. I mean – don't get me wrong. I, I know the bell sound, but the, don't get me wrong. Like Tamar and LaMarcus can, are still really good players. They may not be like all NBA, but they're all stars. And in that system they're you never know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So now we get to talk about the LA Clippers, Ooh, who, LA Clippers, which I think were the team of the summer. Uh, like Eric, I, I, you go ahead. I want to hear your take on this. How how did Steve Ballmer do this? I don't even – everybody was watching Kawhi Leonard over the summer, and somehow this crazy man Steve Ballmer is able to pick him up and then pair him with Paul George of all people. This this was the most unexpected outcome for me of any team in the NBA for the offseason. Oh, for I, sure. I mean, yeah, it's an understatement to say they're go, they're going to be in playoff contention. They're going to make a splash. I – I'm super excited to see what they do. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm telling you, man. So I'll, even though this is not insider information, I followed the uh, summer drama way too closely, but uh, from what I heard, Kawhi Leonard, man, is a freaking Don. Like he, he made the Lakers go to a meeting place uh, different than what they said on because he was like, I can meet Paul George uh, there right after I meet the Lakers. And uh, it's apparently there at that, the meeting right after the meeting he had with the Lakers, he said, uh, Paul, I want you to come play for the Clippers. Let's go. And uh, Paul George asked for the trade, uh, I think a day later. And uh, Kawhi Leonard said, if you want me to play on the Clippers, you need to make the trade for, for Paul George. And so that's why I, I, I know everyone is going to be like, they overpaid for Paul George, but no, they actually paid pretty well. I think they came out pretty well to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. That was what the trade was for. You're not going to need first round picks when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for the next three to five years. Yeah, I mean, and this was already a solid team. Like, they, they were eighth in the playoffs. They gave the Warriors a run for their money during that first-round series. So they were already a pretty good team. I don't think they even lost too much. Obviously, they lost Shy and Danilo. Um, but then they got Kawhi and Paul George back. So this is pretty wild to me. I, I'm excited to see the Clippers. My only and- question, honestly, is just watching Kawhi and Paul George play together, 
I feel like they play in pretty similar styles, so I'm not too sure yeah. what's going to go on there. Well, I think um, I think the way that they're going to play is very much Paul George is playing more of the two, and then Kawhi is going to play your uh, three four, and so the at least is what I think they're they're going to have Paul George be off the ball more and be a spot up shooter slash slasher, and then they're going to have uh, Kawhi Leonard um, being the uh, he's probably going to be a point forward in the post. Like, I think he's not going to be starting up at the key. I think they're going to have him in the post and have a lot of plays go through him there. So uh, that's, that's my thought. Like, I think um, I saw that in Toronto last in, in the regular season, more than the postseason. but in Toronto, in San Antonio, they love doing the high, uh, high post with uh, Kawhi at the high post and then have people run off of it especially when when tim duncan uh, retired that was Kawhi's bread and butter to like get open uh get people involved uh even though he's not a huge assist guy he usually can get a hockey assist uh with that um, san antonio uh, system yeah and i mean Kawhi he thrives in with with scrappy teams and uh i mean this team is looking pretty scrappy so uh, i think it's gonna be i mean pat beverly oh yeah this guy out there Pat Beverly, and then you like, I mean, how can you forget Lou Williams off the bench, man? Lou I, Williams. I think there's probably only three players that are currently in the NBA that have as many play or tricks in the in in, in their bag. You know, it's like Lou Williams, James Harden, and probably LeBron James, maybe Steph Curry, but I, even then, I don't know if I can put it uh, <laughs> with how they just handle the ball and get to their spots and know what they're doing. For sure. And Montrell Harris, I mean, that, that dude is basically the new Kenneth Reed. I think he's better than Kenneth Reed. Oh yeah. I th- I think he's, it, he's, uh, I would say he's Draymond Green without the assists. Like he doesn't, he, he can't be the point forward, but he defends rebounds. He uh, does all the dirty work. Like he is the ultimate, ultimate glue guy when it comes to that team. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a great thing to watch. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, let's go into the Sacramento Kings now. Uh, I think they're – let me put it this way. I'm a fan of the Kings and what they're building. I don't think it's going to be enough to get them into the playoffs, but, like, they have such a great young core that I wouldn't be surprised next year. That's what takes them over the top. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think the addition there's any additions that I'm looking at that really stand out to me. And Trevor Ariza, but he's kind of like off his prime. Dwayne Dedman, uh, I mean, that Atlanta team basically just had a whole bunch of <laughs> players like that. So uh, I think that's a nice addition. Um, and then they lost a couple people out. Burke, Corey, Corey Brewer, Willie, Willie Colley-Stein that we talked about a little bit earlier. Costa mm-hmm. Kufus I thought was actually playing pretty decent for them. But, yeah, this team hasn't changed much. I think they're just trying to develop that youth. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They almost made the playoffs last year. So, and, and that was against a pretty tough Clippers, Clippers team on, on the bottom there. So I could, yeah. see them, I could see them scratching by. I'm going to go out on a limb and say no, though. I'm, I'm going to see them at probably the 9 or 10 still. Yeah, I, I, I think they're going to be right around that 9 or 10 because uh, they, they have talent. Like De'Aaron Fox is – uh, I think he is a more in control Westbrook. Like he he can uh, he can get to his spots. He can 
rebound. He can assist. Like he does a good job of keeping everybody um, involved. I, I think Marvin Bagley is uh, an up and coming power forward. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to be amazing all-star all NBA, but I think he's going to be very good. Like 19, 20 points. I think, I think he's going to be what we hoped Julius Randall would be that I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good place for him. And, and then they also have a, a buddy healed who uh, is huge when it came to spacing the floor, getting them involved, like just make not involved in a sense of him having the ball, but like more people ran around knowing that he's opening up the floor, uh, which I think is huge in today's NBA. And so that's going to really help them. I, I will, I'm going to call it a couple of players that I think will actually be very helpful. Will it actually be a good thing or not? I don't know. Uh, but Corey Joseph, I think is a good uh, point guard off the bench. He's going to be there probably sixth or seventh man. Uh, if it's not Trevor Ariza, um, I think Tyler Lydon was not used very well in Denver. Like he was a um, back when, and I think, or maybe I'm mixing him up and Jake Lehman, but uh, Tyler Lydon, I, I think when he played, do you know if he played in Maryland or what was that team that he played on? It, it, maybe I'm getting him wrong, so I'll move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the last person I will talk about is Kyle Guy. I don't even know if he's going to get a lot of time. But people will forget that he was the most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament, and he makes timely threes. Like, he reminds me of smaller J.J. Redick. And so I wouldn't be surprised that he is a mainstay in the league where he stays on teams as their gunner and shooter off the bench. And I could see that being huge for Sacramento when Buddy Heald needs a little time. Like, Kyle Guy, I think, will, will be the guy that comes off the bench and scores a ton for them. Yeah, we're going to have to do an episode about rookies and like how we can measure their impact without a lot of data. Because, yeah. you know, we only have their NCAA data or whatever they're doing overseas. So I think that'd be a really interesting uh, episode exploring how people do drafts and look at rookie potential. And I know you know so much about the rookies. So that I think that's going to be a great podcast. For sure, man. Yeah, we definitely have a couple of things lined up already. But we'll, we'll I for sure, I can't wait to do that one. Uh, yeah, we got the LA Lakers, whose biggest acquisition of the offseason was obviously Costas Antetokounmpo. Man, I can't pronounce that name. <laughs> Antetokounmpo! Yeah, so like, you know, that, that team is going to blow it up because they, they got the other Antetokounmpo brother. You, you mean know? the better Antetokounmpo brother? Exactly, exactly. Oh, for sure. But no, for real though, like, we cannot talk about the summer without talking about the Anthony Davis trade. Yeah, that's wild. I I honestly like I love that trade for both sides. The Lakers mm-hmm. are the Lakers. They're showtime. They need those big name players, but they also shipped off Lonzo and uh Brandon Ingram and gave them a chance to develop with an, and somehow somehow the Pelicans picked up Zion. I know. <laughs> and that team I think is just going to be so much fun to watch. I think like that trade was perfectly fortuitous for everyone. Um, I think both teams got better. I hate the Lakers because they just get players because they're the Lakers, but man, they're going to be really fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, just picking back on, on, on what you're saying, 
yeah, they they lost a ton of young players, but I mean, the problem with the Lakers right now, they have such high expectations, even in losing years. You you can't develop players. You can't develop these players that need a little bit of time to figure out their shot, figure out their places on the court, everything like that. LeBron James alone demands more than that. And then you have the specter of the Lakers uh, over even LeBron James's expectations on you. So you you need you need heavy hitters when you're playing on the Lakers. You need big names, and and frankly, Anthony Davis is that. You know, yeah, they got some really interesting additions too. I mean, like obviously Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook came in halfway through the season, right? Like he wasn't in off season. No, he he was off season. Oh, he was an offseason. Quinn Quinn Quick was still on the uh, Warriors during the finals. Oh, that's right. You're right. My bad. Yeah, I mean, Quinn Cook, Avery Bradley, uh, Jared Dudley. I mean, that guy's just going to be a pest. Danny Green? Come on, man. And then, like, Dwight Howard. Like, this guy is looking to revive his career. He was was a top five center. He went to the finals in 09. He wants to make a statement. He's coming back to the Lakers. I don't know if he can do it with all his baggage that he's got. But man, they've got some heavy hitters in this in this offseason. Oh, for sure. I actually here's the thing. Dwight Howard, and, and this is another thing we can talk about on another podcast, but it, it wasn't that Dwight Howard got worse, really. I mean, obviously the injury slowed him down, but it's the NBA changed around him. Uh and that's the thing we have to really realize. Like when he was with the even the Hawks, he was still getting triple, uh, sorry, double doubles. Like he did like 17 and 12 when he was with the Hawks. And then when he went to uh, the Hornets, I think he still did like 17 and nine or 17 and 10. Yeah, like some this beastly is, games. Yeah, this is not a guy that like can't play. I, I obviously it's the personality thing. Like I, I've read stories so many times where. Houston, Atlanta, Hornets, uh, even Washington. Like, he rubbed people the wrong way, and that's why he's not in the locker room. But the fact is, this guy was four-time, I think three or four-time defensive player of the year. He was the rebounding champ for four years in a row, and I think five years overall. Uh, Like, this is no scrub, and he's going to be good for them. Like, I think he's going to be the guy that, like, really – Anchors the defense. Uh, it sounds like he's willing to be the 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 uh, you know the uh, what am I trying to say <laughs> like, <laughs> the 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 guy that's going to do the dirty work is what I'm trying to say, and that's yeah. going to be huge when Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the center. Yeah, I'd love to see him do that. Like, kind of at the tail end of his career, be more like a Tyson Chandler, where he we know he's this defensive center. We know he can get the rebounds. We know he can throw down a couple lobs, uh, pick up some garbage. Um, I would love to see him revive his career that way. Uh, I really like Dwight Howard. I think he's a great player. But mm-hmm. I just don't know if he's got that uh, the mental bandwidth to do it. I, I know he's been through a lot lately, yeah. and, it, and I really feel for him because, man, he was, he was at the, the height he was at the top of the mountain and now, you know, he's kind of, everyone's looking down on him saying like, what happened to Dwight Howard? It must really bum him out. So, I mean, I would love for him to be able to rise career with the Lakers, even though once again, I hate the Los Angeles Lakers. How do they keep doing this? It it is just the glitz and the glamour. And, and the reason why 
I mean, we, again, we can talk about this on another podcast, but the reason why is that it's LA, it's LA in California. Everyone wants to be in California during the summer because it's the best weather. It's the most fun things you can do in the summer are in California. It it sucks because Dallas deserves some marquee free agents. Do you know how many times we whiffed every summer? Oh, we finally got DeAndre Jordan, right? Uh, yeah disappointing oh we got Rajon Rondo that year oh yeah. man we had so many big freedoms what are you talking about Josh <laughs> come on oh we always do it but I before we move on from the Lakers I'll say the biggest addition by subtraction though is getting rid of Magic Johnson or him leaving because that guy did not know how to run an organization like he I, was, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, no, go ahead. I, yeah. I got, I got, I got a lot of opinions about Magic Johnson. Um, I think he's a great guy. I think he's one of the best players ever. But that doesn't always translate to a great GM. Uh, all he's I guess, GM, right? Yeah, he. Well, no, no, no. He was the president of basketball opera or basketball operations. Oh, he's just is, sitting on Twitter and like talking about all the cool things they're gonna do. I got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he, he was the one that decided to pick Lonzo Ball. So I'll, I'll, even though I think that's coming out that we'll, we'll get that. We're, we'll get there. We're about to, we're yeah, about to talk sure. about the Pelicans in a little bit, but uh, I think we need to do a speed round between the Minnesota Timberwolves, Memphis Grizzlies so that we can get to new Orleans. All uh, right. All right. Let's do it. Look, yeah. I'm, I got two words. I got a couple words about the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think they got way worse. They lost Derek Rose. They lost Taj Gibson. I mean, Tom Thibodeau was kind of a weird coach for them. He wasn't really yeah. great at developing rookies. I don't see them picking up anyone that's super great. Maybe Jordan Bell is going to do something. Noah Vonley is going to do something. I don't know. I don't think they've gotten any better. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves had a lot of potential in the beginning, but Wiggins is showing that he may not be the star that they wanted. And Carl Anthony Towns is a good player, but is he a great player, especially with this NBA? I'm not sure. Yeah, man. So my quick thoughts on the Minnesota Timberwolves, I I agree with you. I think they got worse. I mean, they got some players that I don't necessarily think fit. Like, I like Jordan Bell a lot, and I even said I think he's better on the Orlando Magic than he would be on the Timberwolves. Like, he's too undersized to play the center, and that's what they're going to ask him to do to play next to Carl Anthony Towns. And he doesn't fit with Carl Anthony Towns, and I, I think this is going to be a bad fit for him. Uh, and then they got Noel Vonley, who could maybe work because he's been working on his uh, three-point shot, so maybe he can uh, maybe he can stretch the floor. The one person, and, and so I think this is the person I was talking about earlier. Or I mixed up with Tyler Lydon. Tyler Lydon was from Syracuse. Jake Lehman is from Maryland. The reason why I like Jake Maryland is that, or sorry, Jake Lehman from Maryland was that he was a point forward that at 6'9", I believe, was like controlling the floor. And a lot of it was more of – and I and the reason why I'm talking about him, I actually think he's going to be a lot better here than he was on the Trailblazers. I think he's going to be used in that point forward mold, at least the way I know Ryan Saunders likes to play. Like he likes bigger guards to bring up the, the – the, or bigger players to bring up the, the court or bring the ball up the court. Uh, so I think that's going to be big. And then Jared Culver, I actually, I really like from Texas Tech. Uh, I think he does a lot of the things that they want him to do. And he's another player that is going to be a point forward for them. 
So, yeah, I guess we'll see. Next up, we got the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, this is going to have to be a rebuilding year for them. Uh, I love the Memphis Grizzlies. They were really toughing it out the past couple of years, especially as the NBA was changing around them. Mm-hmm. But um, they lost all their key players. They got Grayson Allen, who I think – I don't like the guy. He's from Duke. He's kind of a dick. But, hey, maybe <laughs> he can develop with the Memphis Grizzlies. They got Jay Crowder. I love that guy. Andre yeah. Godala. Let's see what happens with him. Josh Jackson. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the verdict's out on him that he's kind of a bust, which is unfortunate. But they got John ja Morant. Uh, mm-hmm. They got Justin Jackson. Um, th- those. Th- I think they're really just going for straight rebuilding. Oh, yeah. So just to talk about Grayson Allen real quick. People forget, I think, in his rookie year, he scored 40 points. You don't score 40 points on a whim. Uh, I mean, people do it. Like, there are people that do once-in-a-lifetime games, let's be honest. But I think the fact that he did as a rookie shows that he has all the tools to be a good scorer in this league. And I think being on the Memphis Grizzlies instead of the Utah Jazz will give him a little bit more leeway to play like that. Um, And then... Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like Josh Jackson, I think he he's a, I think the only reason he's a bust is he doesn't have the mental for the game. He doesn't have the the basketball IQ to be successful. He's always relied on his athleticism and being the most uh, explosive person on the court. You can't do that in an NBA where everyone else is a basketball like a savant. For sure. And by the yeah. way, I said Justin Jackson Jr. I meant Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaren, and I think John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be they're they're going to be really good together. Uh, that pick and roll is going to be dangerous. Cool. Let's move on to the New Orleans Pelicans, who we were already talking about. Um, yeah. What's your take on the Pelicans? Oh my gosh! Like I. So, here's my thing. I I like. Uh, Anthony Davis a lot. I think he is a great player, but I never felt that he was the leader that the Pelicans needed. And so the, for the fact that they got Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, a handful of draft picks, like this is huge for them considering they obviously got the, the uh, other than the free agency, the biggest get entire in the entire NBA was the fact that they lucked into the number one pick. And it being Zion Williamson, pairing him with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram, huge. I I think this is going to be a team that maybe not this year or next year are going to be in the playoffs, but I promise you in three years, this will be a perennial um, playoff team. Uh, They just have great balance through one through five like that. I'm, I'm so psyched about. Yeah. they, They suddenly got a lot more dynamic, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I love Anthony Davis. I think he's a great player. We we watched Anthony Davis play in, in New Orleans, Josh, and that guy effortlessly put up like a 50-point game. So Yeah, exactly. That guy's just an incredible player. So it's obviously there's nothing that, that could replace him. But Alonzo Ball, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, even Josh Hart, uh, Derek Favors, this is a pretty competent um, core for Anthony Davis. And, I think they're actually just going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think Lonzo Ball, um, <laughs> the, the drama with his father is a little bit ridiculous, but he's developing into a really good player. 
Um, I thought he found his shot back, but I think he was like three of eight for the preseason. So we'll see if that adjusted shot works out for him. Because if it does, he's going to be really dangerous with this pairing. Oh, yeah. See, here's the thing. I, I can take LeVar's antics only because I I think he always had that 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 uh, dream in the back of his head that all three of his kids are going to be there. And I, God bless him for loving his kids that much. But oh, yeah. the thing that is going to help Lonzo the most is the fact that he's finally out of the lights of LA where he had the vaunted expectations of being the next Jason kid, being uh, the guy that's going to uh, take all of magic's records. Like the fact that he had all of that before he even put on the Jersey tells you that he, he was going to fail. And I, I don't say that lightly because I, I saw flashes of him being good, but if, you have all of that on you and you're not doing what's necessary to become better, then that, that, that will be disastrous. And it was for those two years. Yeah. I, I mean, I love JJ Reddick, that pickup veteran presence, never missed the playoffs. So, you yeah. know, they got, <laughs> these kids got pressure on them. Um, so I love JJ Reddick. He's always been one of my favorite players too. Oh, yeah. So, um, so smart, so cerebral. It. Like, and I and and saying that, I think he's going to rub off on Lonzo and Brandon, Brandon Ingram in a more positive way, because with LeBron, he had that expectations. It's it's championship or bust, not just playoff or bust. With JJ Redick, he's he's joking with them. Hey, don't mess it up. I need to go to the playoffs. But he is not that star player that's going to. You're going to get blamed if he doesn't get to the. Or you guys don't get to the playoffs or you're not going to be blamed because JJ Redick doesn't get to the playoffs, but he's going to give them maturity. He's going to give them uh, the ability to, uh, he's going to give that calming factor. I've been there. I've done that. All of that without having the pressure of being under LeBron, which is going to be huge. And we've talked all about this without actually talking about how Zion's going to fit in with the new Orleans Pelicans. Like we're talking about everybody else, but the biggest get. Yeah, I, I think Zion is, is a perfect fit here. Um, he's he's athletic. He he rebounds. He does a little bit of everything. Super smart guy, super hyped, um, super strong. I, I think he, he fits in perfectly with kind of Brandon Ingram, J.J. Redick, Derek Favors, Lonzo Ball. Just these, It's just like a hyper-athletic team. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be – I think they're going to make a lot of mistakes in the beginning. It's going to be messy. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be fun to watch. I'll say this. like I I wasn't as big on the Zion hype train as everyone else was. But I, I will tell you this from watching him in summer league and preseason. He plays, in, he plays in the flow of the game. And that is someone that I think will be successful for a long time. And the reason why is that he's not trying to force things. Like in the first preseason game I saw him, he never forced anything. He wasn't trying to jack up shots just because he's like, I'm the number one pick. I'm supposed to be the best player. He was cutting to the rim. He was always looking for teammates. He was trying to be as, as like uh, be that gravity inside to where people would get open. Even if it's just a hockey assist, like I think he is actually going to be a lot more successful than even I think, but I, I think uh, we're, we're going to see someone that I, I think in his first year, I'm, I'm, I know we haven't done that for a lot of them, but in his first year, I think he's going to average like 17, nine, and probably like two and a half or three assists. And I, I think that's going to be fantastic for them. Yeah, for sure.
All right, I think that's everyone time. I really want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, I mean, yeah. I know you want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. That was that, <laughs> There's that, air horn. that. That air horn was actually more for us talking about the Mavericks than it was ending <laughs> the last one. Look, the Dallas Mavericks did what the Dallas Mavericks do in offseason. Essentially nothing. Yeah. But they got some good picks. They got Seth Curry. They got Boban. And, I mean, Porzingis might, have, might as well have been an offseason get. Um, they also have Isaiah Roby, who I think is, like, an interesting rookie, and Delon Wright, who I think is a stellar young player. So – I think out of all these players, the biggest impact, honestly, for me, is probably going to be Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. I really liked that guy when he was playing with Dallas. He played really well for Portland. I think oh. like he's hitting kind of his peak. I, I agree with you. So here's the thing about Seth Curry that I really like. He is not a guy that needs the ball a lot to be effective. He's going to make knockdown shots, uh, spot-up shots. He is also uh, not going to take like 12, 13 uh, shots in a row he's going to play within the flow of the game which is huge when you have a guy like Luca distributing the ball uh, dominating the ball but more importantly just getting that flow of the game is it, it it heightens when you have players that are willing to to move with that the ball and be in the right places and a guy like Seth Curry who's been a veteran in the league for the last I think he's been here since 2013 like six seven years he's been in the league and it's only because he is uh, done it the right way. He is a role player to the core. Uh, and that's what you need to be a successful team. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, like generally, I think there's a lot of rookies flying under the radar over in Dallas. Uh, I, I know this because not rookies, like younger players. It, I know this because I've been watching them all year. Um, yeah, I, mean, I love Maxi. I love Jalen. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting team. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, we kind of said this earlier, but uh, Eric and I grew up in Dallas. So like the the Mavericks were our, they are our team. Like we, uh, even if no one knows who Jalen Brunson is or uh, Maxi Kleber, we know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And I agree with you. Like, I think the thing that's going to be so impressive uh, about this team is that there's going to be one year of maturation for all the key guys. But Rick Carlisle, I, I still think he's a top five coach in the league. I, I know that he's had a lot of rough years these last couple of years, but I think that has to do more with talent than his coaching. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you for a fact that uh, the year before we got Luca, he played the worst lineups because we were tanking. They, they, they did a, and this goes into being the ballistic podcast. The statistics showed we had the worst plus minuses uh, in the fourth quarter because he was playing those, those players in, in a bad fit. So I think we're going to see him return to form. And even though I think the Mavericks are still going to miss the playoffs by like a smidge, like I think they're going to be the number nine seed, like a solid nine seed and still uh, competing at the end. They just don't have enough. They just don't have enough. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, the West is stacked. The West is crazy right now. So uh, I, I think I see, like, realistically, I see them outside the playoffs. But for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to say the Dallas Mavericks make it into the playoffs. Luca promised it to us, you know, and then Luca, I trust. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, I would love to do a full hour long podcast on Luca because I think he is the most exciting player. Like, 
Eric, you and I have talked like for the last 15 years about basketball and specifically the Mavericks. What is the one thing that I always tell you about the front office? They don't know how to draft. <laughs> they are the worst. I will say bar none. They are the worst front office in drafting players and developing players. Like I can name, I can only name two players that actually have panned out for us. And I'm, I'm including Luka Doncic in, in, in that. <laughs> I don't even know the other one. Who's the other one you're thinking about? And Devin Harris? Devin Harris. And the reason right. why I say Devin Harris is that he actually became an all-star, but he had to go to the New Jersey Nets to do it. So <laughs> Yeah. Actually, we got Josh Howard for a couple of years, too. I, I thought that was a pretty good draft pick. That, yeah. that is true. He was an all-star in 07, so that, that, that is something. Uh, yeah, but... I mean, Luca in in we trust. I think Luca and KP are, are literally going to be one of the best duos uh, in the league. Like, even if we don't make the playoffs, I think people are going to be like, "That's a tough out. That is a tough game that we're about to play." Uh, Luca's going to bring it, and and KP. I think, I I think sitting out for a year and a half is probably going to be the best thing for Porzingis's career, and the reason why is not having the pressure of coming back for the Knicks and coming back to the Mavericks is a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's going to probably be stronger. I mean, we've already seen pictures of him. The guy gained like 20 pounds in muscle. Yeah. So that we're, fact. yeah. So I, I think this is going to be a great team, man. I know we've gone over and we only have one more team to do. Yeah. So let's knock it out. I think, <laughs> Uh, we have to have to talk about the Phoenix Suns because you know they're doing their thing. <laughs> they're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like Aaron Baines. I like Ricky Rubio. I like Darius Sarek. Uh, I, I think oh, they got Frank Kaminsky. I, I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But you know, I, I I don't know. I don't really know what the Suns are doing. To be honest with you, I think the best pickup here is Ricky Rubio, just because he's a veteran and he played he played really well for Utah last year. Oh yeah, yeah. So. I think the Suns are – they're a weird team. They actually have talent, and I think they have good players, but they have a terrible front office that gets the wrong play – or, sorry, the wrong mix of players. So, mm-hmm. like, you have – so you have a guy like Devin Booker who I – when he came to the league uh, that first year, I was like, he is Clay Thompson – without the defense and then now he's clay thompson with a dribble and no defense but still i will say he's still one of the brightest shooting guards in the league he can score in bunches he gets his team involved like he's a really really good player but then i think for three years in a row the suns either drafted or traded for a small forward so i think one year they got i think it was last year they got trevor Ariza. then they traded for kelly Oubre. Then they uh, they drafted Josh Jackson and um, um, shoot, what's his name from Villanova? I I go to their business school. I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mikhail Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, and so you have a log jam at the three, and none of them do anything well enough to complement Devin Booker. You know. Yep. And then you sign Kelly Oubre to a big deal. I think it was like three years, $36 million. 
And don't get me wrong, I think he's worth it, to be honest. Like, he's a good player. But I would have rather Mikhail Bridges and and Devin Booker to get chemistry and be better as a starting duo than paying Kelly Oubre $12 million to stop that that uh, growth. Yeah, man, it's, it's kind of weird watching these teams draft and try to develop their players. Like, this reminds me of the Wolves back in the day when they were drafting up Ricky Rubio along with Johnny Flynn. It's just confusing. Like, yeah, these yeah. players have a lot of potential, but at some point you have to look at your team composition. You can't just run a bunch of guards or a bunch of forwards. Totally agree with you about Devin Booger. He needs the right people around him. Yeah, um, and I, I like the guy, but I don't think he can do it on his own. Oh, absolutely not. Like, he he's probably, I mean, if we're being fair, the 28th best player in the league. Uh, and and you can't you can't win on that. You, you can't win on that alone. And I, I'll agree with you. I, I, I really like the Ricky Rubio pickup. I think Dario Sarge is actually a really uh, underrated pickup because mm-hmm. he's a stretch for he's, he is what they wanted. Um, the, Josh Jackson. No, the Drog, Drogen Bender. Uh, uh, the, yeah. The guy that went to Milwaukee. Uh, he's exactly what they wanted Bender to be, the, the stretch four, someone that can rebound the ball, uh, be a point forward at times. Like, I think he's actually going to be a good fit for everybody because uh, he's unselfish and he's a baller, man. Like, I, I think he was he was underutilized in Minnesota, and we're going to see him be a lot better for the Suns. But that being said, I think they're still – 14th or 15th best team in the Western conference, if not like the 29th best team in the NBA. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think we're out of, yeah, we're out of time. We (laughs) a little bit over time. Um, Yeah. I think next time we'll be doing the Eastern conference. So look out for that. Yes, sir. So uh, thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of the ballistics podcast. Uh, here's Josh and Eric signing off. See you next time.